0: Invite you to turn to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six. In our studies in that we'll have after dinner, um, we're on chapter four. Where do we go from here? And it's dealing with with economic chaos, and um, in dealing with that. Um, I'm not so much this morning in this hour going to go into the future coming economic chaos, but uh, we will be looking at what God says in His Word about money. It is amazing how much Jesus in His ministry talked about money um, he talked about the topic of money and gave illustrations and parables teaching about the kingdom used money illustrations more than he talked about faith and prayer which may somewhat surprise us and and yet as you get in and look at God's word you find the principles that relate to every area of our life. A wise person in any issue of life wants to find out what is God's design for my life? What is God's design for marriage? What is God's design for family? What is God's design for work? In every area. So, it's important that we understand what is God's design for money. And... You know, one of the things that you run into when often people think of church, they think of, well, they're interested in getting our money. If you've attended here long at all, you know that, um, that we don't get up and plead for you to give. Um, we have the box in the back that you can give to. And, and God has abundantly uh, met the needs. And so I say all that to say this that we're bringing today is not reflection on there's needs in the church. Um, and we're not going to specifically make that the point. My heart is, I want you to be blessed of God in every area of your life and you can't be blessed of God if we don't know His will or if we know it and don't do it. And so it's important for us to to understand that. I believe, and if you've done your lesson this week, there is coming a major economic crisis. And uh, Lord willing um the greatest effect of it as believers we won't be here but there are economic crises going on around the world where there are people that don't know where many many people that don't know where their next meal is coming from and and sad to say many in in America I don't know if it would be fair to say, but there's an, they're in an economic crisis. Meaning, they are barely putting together making ends meet. And we'll touch on some of that in a little bit. <clears throat> but I want you to, to turn to Matthew chapter 5, 6, excuse me. And I'll begin reading in verse 19, and with this in mind... Keep in mind um, our topic for today as we read. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus took His disciples. He's speaking to them beginning in the beginning of chapter 5, chapter 5, 6, and 7. He's teaching them the core of His doctrine through here, and in it, He says, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not nor spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or how shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble so he gives extensive teaching here regarding our life what we eat what we drink what we put on about our treasures so we say okay why does why does money matter well Number one, it's just pretty hard to live without it. Okay, um, I guess you can, but it's a vital. It's a it's a major part of our life. It also matters because in First Timothy chapter six and verse ten, he says, "The love of money is the root of all evil." So <clears throat> we we hear about. Um, human trafficking. The root cause of that is a love of money. Now, I'm not going to go into detail. It doesn't say money is evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And you can love money and not have money. We think, well, that's just talking about rich people. But Money matters because the love of money is the root of all evil. It, it causes fights. Don't, don't say you know someone until you have divided and an inheritance with them. Some of you know from first-hand experience. But sad to say, sad, sad to say, that some of the worst individuals that lawyers have said they've had to deal with fighting over inheritances, are believers. That that should not be. But it goes to show that none of us are immune from the temptations that can come with money. Money or the lack thereof can bring bondage. This is why Money matters. The borrower is servant to the lender, Proverbs 22, seven tells us. But money matters also on the good side because wise use of it can bring eternal rewards. In Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, he says you will have true riches which cannot be taken away from you. That's an eternal reward when you use it for His glory, money matters, as you will see in your studies later today, because it is a key tool that will bring about the rule of Antichrist. It is, it is in Revelation 13, um, His money system. Crypto or digital or whatever he uses, we know it will involve chips on the hand and in the forehead, but it will be a key thing that he uses to bring about his authority. And just one other thing, why money matters, because we will answer to God for our use of it as a believer, whether we've had much or whether we've had little, we will give an account to God for what we've done with it. So, we stop and we ask, okay, what, it, what would be God's purposes for money? And let me just quickly list four purposes that God has. Number one, to provide for basic needs. To provide for basic needs. It's interesting, <clears throat> in, a, in a study that Marilyn was going through, this week, um, she came across this and she said, hey, you may want to use this Sunday. The study is about 20 years old, so I don't have the updated, but it said in 1900, people listed, people in America listed 72 wants, and they considered 18 of them as important. 100 years later, in 2000, they listed 496 wants and considered 96 of them necessary for genuine happiness. In 100 years, it went from 96, I mean, it went from 18 considered important to 96. They, in 2000, we had more necessary than in nineteen hundred they had possible wants. I'd hate to see what it is in twenty twenty two. But you know, honestly, from God's perspective, he says having food and clothing, let us be there with content. What we think are basic needs here in America, God doesn't always think are basic needs. And we think we need all these things, but God sees things differently. But one of His purpose is to provide for basic needs. Another is to confirm direction. That if you don't have the money, then you don't buy it. It confirms direction. It's if God provides this, okay. But if He doesn't, then I'm going to wait on the Lord. So God's purpose is to confirm direction. Thirdly, God's purpose for money is to give to Christians and to minister by giving. And, and again, we could do series on all of these, but we don't have time here this morning to do that. Fourthly, it's to illustrate God's power. And I'm sure if we took the time, Josie could give multiple illustrations of how God has manifested His power through the provision of finances, how He's given direction through providing or not providing. But when we have a serious consideration of money, we need to consider... God's purposes in these and those four purposes to provide for basic needs, to confirm direction, to give to believers, to illustrate God's power. And that illustrate God's power is through ministering to the poor and many other ways. But I want us today to look at the biblical principles related to money. Not just money, but to possessions. Number one, God owns everything. It's important for us to realize that. It's easy for us to think, this is mine. I've worked hard for this. I've invested well. I've made wise purchases and trades, and this is mine. Listen, everything we have belongs to God. And it is only because God gave us the ability that you were able to work. And in James it says, Don't go and say today or tomorrow we're going to go into such and such a city and buy and sell and get gain. And there continue a year. He says that is very presumptuous. Number one, that I'm going to make it to such and such a city, number two, that I'm able to buy, and number three, that I'm able to find someone to sell things to, and number four, that I'm able to get gain. We've all bought things and sold them and lost money on it. But the reality is, when it comes back to it, is God owns everything, and the sooner we transfer our ownership to God, the better we will be. That isn't just about possessions. God, my life belongs to you as a believer. I'm transferring my ownership of my life to you. God, my marriage belongs to you. I'm transferring the ownership of my marriage to you. God, my family belongs to you. We don't own our kids. We don't own our family. I'm transferring my ownership to you. God, I'm transferring my home, my possessions, my friendships, my reputation. I'm I'm acknowledging you as the owner of all. And as Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why could Job say that? Because he understood that God is the owner of all. And a biblical view of possessions of resources begins with us understanding and acknowledging that God owns everything. Secondly, we must understand heaven, not earth, is my home. It is so easy to get where we live like like this is home. This is this is life. This is what Life is made of. And to understand, we are pilgrims passing through. We are aliens. We are foreigners. This world is not my home, as the song says. And we need to understand that because um, too many times as believers, we, we get settled down here so much that we really don't even... Long for the fellowship with God throughout eternity. Heaven, not earth, is my home. And because of that, we should understand. If you, would, if you would imagine, if I were to put with this pen a dot right here, and then I drew a line all the way across here, and a line that never ended because that's going east, So you can go forever, okay? And the line comes clear around to here. So, this dot represents your life and my life. Seventy years, eighty years, ninety years, thirty years. This dot, the one little dot, the line represents eternity. And so it is important that we do not live for the dot but we live for eternity. We understand this dot is not my home, and because of that, I am not going to live for just this little dot. I am going to live for eternity. So it's it's important that we understand this and realize, okay, God, what have you given me? How do you want me to use it? Number four, my heart always goes where I put my money. We read in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our heart always goes where our investment is. That's a, a principle that God has laid down. That's why it's important for us to invest in places that it is a good thing for our heart to be at. No man, and then he goes on and says after that, no man can serve two masters. You cannot hate one and love the other, and you cannot love them both. You will hate one and love the other, or you will hold to the one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions. And Jesus taught often about this. And He he emphasized it often in His teaching that um, it is important for you to understand you need to choose. And where your heart is, is where your money is. That's why I believe it's so important that that we be givers. But number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism. Now, whether we like to admit it or not, every one of us here today battles with materialism. You may say... I'm probably the poorest one in the room here today, you might be thinking. But you are rich in the world's view. And every one of us has to battle the tentacles of materialism gripping our hearts. And we, living for, we start living for this world, we start living for things... And the only antidote to materialism is giving. Think about it. What are the things that you get upset about? You know, many many Christians have lost their testimony over, over fighting over, I was going to say, hundreds of dollars. Sometimes it's over tens of cents. And it really shows where our heart is. And if we are genuinely followers of Jesus Christ, one of the characteristics of God is His generous nature. Freely we have received. Freely we give. And it's not just monetarily. It's freely we have been forgiven. Freely we forgive. Freely we have received the kindness of God. Freely we manifest kindness. And giving is the only antidote to materialism. Let me mention one other thing. A biblical principle. God prospers me and you not to raise my standard of living but to raise my standard of giving. See when when you are blessed with resources is your first thought god what do you want me to do with this how do you want me to use this many times our first thought is oh i can do this and i can do this in 1st timothy chapter 6 he speaks about money in in many ways But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, he says, "...command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come." That they may lay hold on eternal life. Notice what he says. If you are are blessed, we are all blessed. Don't be haughty about it. Well, I've worked hard. I've done this, I've done that. I've been a wise investor, blah, blah, blah. Don't be haughty about it. But be rich in good works, use it, be ready to give, willing to share storing up for yourselves a good reward in eternity because the dot is going to end real soon. But that which you've laid up, doing it as unto the Lord, will be blessed throughout all eternity. And, and these are basic principles that God gives this, this aspect of giving is the only antidote to materialism. And that God blesses us to not raise our standard of living, but our standard of giving. Let me ask you something. If, if, you, if you picked up your record of giving for last year, and you took that total, and not just giving here, but all you're giving, and you took that times 10, would you be happy with that as your yearly income? If you took what you gave last year and multiplied it times 10, would you be happy with that as your yearly income? You say, ah, you're getting legalistic here in that 10%. Well, let me just tell you. Abraham gave a tithe before there even was the law given. And it's not a matter of law. I'm saying that's the basic. We all, out of love, give way more than 10%. And you say, you're crazy. God's ways are way beyond our ways. And I can give from personal testimony and give other testimonies of many others. You cannot outgive God. And I don't give in order for God to bless me. I give because I love God and I want to have Him honored through my life. And I know that what's in this life is only temporary and I'm not leaving a bunch of money for my kids to fight over, all right? Why? Because I want to I want to invest in works that are doing something for an eternity. And it begins right here with the local church. It begins. The tithes go to the local church and the offerings go beyond. But do the math yourself. What you gave last year, if you take that times 10%, would you be happy with that as your income for the year? God doesn't bless by, by what we give per se but this shows an attitude of our heart. Ask yourself this question. What is it I get upset about? Oftentimes we're upset about monetary things. Man, they rang that up wrong. They're trying to rip me off. Give the cashier a break. Do you think they're getting a, a kickback for every ten cents they rip you off at all these and and thank you all right <coughs> and the reality we we get we get so tied to our money oh what's going to happen to the economy well the economy's probably going to tank and they're probably going to go digital and that's an easy way for them to take all your retirement out and then what will we have you know The Lord's Prayer. I wasn't even thinking about the message this week, but the Lord's Prayer, as I was reviewing my verses, give us this day our daily bread. And then I I heard a gal that grew up in North Korea say, you know, the only thing we ever thought about, if we were able to get food for the morning was our whole thoughts were consumed with, where can I get food for the next meal? And I thought, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. If the pantry's not full and we don't have a month's supply or three-month supply of food, oh man, things are getting bad. If the day ever came that in America we were literally called upon to pray, give us this day our daily bread, would our faith be strong? It would be if we're not living for the dot, if we're living for eternity. And every one of us has to deal with our love of money, our love of things. I have to deal with it, we all have to deal with it. And this is where it comes down to the nitty-gritty. God deals in our lives in these things. And He, he truly, it is the mercy of God that, that we were born here and not in Afghanistan. But to whom much is given, much will be required. And you know, everything in life hinges around God. If God is not the center of our life, we will be faced with insurmountable challenges. And if God is not in your life at all, if you've never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, you will ultimately be faced with insurmountable challenges, but you will end up separated from God for all eternity in the lake of fire. But Jesus didn't come just to save us from hell and then allow us just to live for the dot. He saved us from hell so we could handle our money different than the world, handle our resources different than the world, that we could lay up treasures in heaven. If you could sum up Jesus' message, it would be the kingdom of God is at hand, and I've made a way for you to enter it through Jesus Christ. That's the gospel message that all who believe in Him will be a part of my kingdom. And if you have trusted me, live for my kingdom, not this earth. Heavenly Father, I pray that You would make personal in each of our lives the truths of Your Word today. I pray that we would seriously examine our lives And see that we honor You with the resources that You've given us. That we would seek first Your kingdom and then to rest in the fact that all these other things, what we eat and what we drink and how we're clothed, that all these other things will be added unto us. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would make personal to see cause and effects consequences in our lives, and Lord, that we would be used of You to be blessings to others, that we would be used of You to bring others to Your kingdom, and Lord, that our obedience, our steps of faith would bring delight to Your heart. Lord, I pray that You, in the lives of every believer here, that You would be our life. Not just something added on, not just something for eternity, but that You would be our life. And then, Lord, I pray if there's an individual here today who has never trusted You, I pray today would be the day that Your Spirit draws them and they respond by calling out to You for the forgiveness of sin. So Lord, we plead your mercies that our hearts would be yours. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.